Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Desgupta a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board-certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. And welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. So once again, this is a podcast, not only for you medical lovers out there. Don't get me wrong. There'll be medical pearls, but this podcast is about just wellness and being a good person. This podcast is about people who just accomplish things that want to share with others to motivate them. And we need that right now as good motivation and good role models. And with that being said, I'm super excited today to have my friend, my television colleague, I love saying that, uh, my, my guest today, which is Dr. James Pickney. And before I just, you know, turn the mic to him, we have so much to talk about. You know how the Dr. Osh podcast usually starts, ask my guest to, um, hey, give me a little bio, give me some, of the, give me the hit list of what are some awesome things you've accomplished. So I'm going to read this off because, and then we'll, we'll jump right into talking to James. So Dr. James believes that integrity and hard work are critical to building customer loyalty. A visionary, he founded Diamond Physicians in 2012, a membership medicine practice that focuses on patient-physician relationship. This healthcare niche has gained momentum in response to sprawling waste and frustrations with the healthcare delivery system. It's now known as direct primary care, and we'll talk about that. Diamond bypasses cumbersome and insufficient middlemen to deliver personalized, high-quality medical care directly to their valued clients. Can't wait to talk about it. Diamond has expanded into five companies and Dr. James incorporated Diamond Health in 2018 to solidify his vision of transforming healthcare delivery in America. Diamond Health is a parent company of Diamond Physicians, Diamond Franchising, Dr. Link, and HIPAA compliant telemedicine app, and Diamond Health MSO consulting firm. Go back to him. Prior to founding Diamond, Dr. James studied general surgery at the prestigious Cedar Sinai Medical Center in LA. Yay, LA. <laughs> After graduating from Baylor College Medicine in Houston, he switched from general surgery to family medicine. Did I read that correctly? We need to talk about this. Um, in, in order to pursue his dream of developing a free market primary care system, Dr. James completed his training in family medicine at Methodist Charlton Medical Center in Dallas. He is board certified family practice license in the state of California and Texas. 
Dr. James endorses a holistic approach to medicine and incorporates nutrition and fitness into lifestyle of his clients. The well-rounded conviction is influenced by Dr. James's undergraduate liberal arts education at Wake Forest, uh, which also led him to medical journalism. Dr. James recently joined the revolutionary national TV show. I see where this is going. Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, who was the medical host. And by the way, everyone, that's how I got to meet the wonderful Dr. James. The opportunity has helped solve most challenging medical mysteries of his career and shed light on health disparity and has helped him become a better doctor and a better person. And last but not least, this part I knew about Dr. James. We're going to ask him about this. He holds a U.S. patent for innovative surgical gown, which he developed while in medical school. He uh, received accolades from the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Super doctors recognize him as a top leader in the country, as well as DCEO's excellence in healthcare. When he isn't attending the needs of his clients, appearing on Chasing the Cure in the past makes me tear up. Oh, <laughs> or medical topics. What does he love doing? He loves being with his wife, his son. He likes golfing, sporting events. This is why I love him. And everyone, after all that, thank you, Dr. James, for being here. How are you doing? Dr. Raj, it's been too long, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on this show. I guess I need to change my bio to not recently on Chasing the Cure because it's, <laughs> I think it's been over a year and a half since we uh, we did that show. But it, it, it seems like yesterday. No, it, it seems like wasn't it like on Wednesdays, you and Sheila and Bond would just come from all over the country. You guys were jet lagged. <laughs> and then yep. there. <laughs> fly in on a Wednesday up all night, uh, learning the patient, studying, trying to get ready for the show, shoot all day Thursday, and then either fly out Thursday night or Friday morning. It was, um, it was quite the experience. And this is when I first started learning about, we'll talk more about this concierge, because in your downtime, I'm like, why is that guy always talking to patients on his phone? Should he be like learning his lines like I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, concierge medicine, I, I, I love it. Uh, and I didn't learn anything about it when I was in, in, in med school, uh, but it really is a great way to take care of people. And, and when you talk about direct primary care, concierge medicine and, and, and removing the third party payer system and insurance companies from the equation and reconnecting the patient and the physician. It's what I love, why I love what I do, because there's just no barriers to care. I could just literally talk to my, my, uh, my clients whenever I want. Uh, they call me whenever they need anything, and we just take care of them. There's, there's no middleman. No, we're definitely going to go back to that. Let, let, let me embarrass you a little bit. You know, I remember one time when we were at <laughs> Chasing the Cure, I mean, you know, we, you know, we only had, we had the, the, the women dressing room. That was only Sheila. <laughs> and there was the, the dudes dressing room. That was us three, you know? So we do our own thing. And then one day... I brought my wife to set and, you know, you didn't realize I brought her in the room and you're like in the corner practicing, talking to the wall with your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when you, when you, you <laughs> you're really focused on these lines and then we leave and my wife's like, dude, Rod, you got to go to the gym, dude. You got to hit the gym a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, chasing the cure. It's, it's, it's a, it's a quite the meld of right medical knowledge. And then, you know, presentation of how you want to present that knowledge to the public and, you know, contrary to popular belief, it takes practice. It's it's not easy to get up mm -hmm. there in front of two million people uh, and 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 spit out a bunch of medical jargon uh, mm -hmm. and have it make sense. So um, behind the scenes, chasing the cure, we all actually worked really hard on the presentation of that material. And um, because it was live, 
we did not have a lot of time to figure <laughs> things out in the background. You know, you just got to got to have to go with it. Yeah, and you know what my favorite part is? I know I'm going out of order. I, re- I mean, I forgot how much I missed you. Remember we did this thing, I guess it was called the war room or the room where we all argued about the patients, they, they put it on the board and everything. <laughs> I got to tell you the funniest, I remember like Bond, we have to get, Bond's going to be my next guest down the line, that he was always like really hungry and he was really picky about, about what was in the food. And I remember the ongoing joke was, who put MSG in the food? I'm coming after you. <laughs> you put MSG <laughs> Yeah, that was that was great times with uh, with with Bond with Sheila. Uh, we we had quite the bond. So hopefully hopefully we can do another show together someday. No, no, definitely. So let me let me uh, turn to Will back because usually the, the the format is I gotta ask about you. But uh, so I was reading your bio, James. Where were you born, by the way? So a lot of people don't know this that it's I. It's not in your bio, actually, bud. You missed out yeah, on well, that. You know, I mean. <laughs> I, I I'm a Texas I'm a Texas guy through and through, okay. but but technically I was born in Ohio. Okay, I was okay. born in Dayton, Ohio, which is why it's not anywhere. It's not on my Wikipedia page. I don't have a Wikipedia page. But yeah, if I did, I, yeah. it probably wouldn't be there. Well, let's start off. Okay, born in Hawaii, uh, Ohio. God bless it. So let's start off with when you went to college. What was your major in college? I know what it is. I'm looking at it. So. How, did you at that point? Did you always kind of know you wanted to be a doctor? And how did chemistry because i think most people have good cringes when they hear chemistry how did that kind of yeah you know i am um, well I, I went from ohio to texas so i grew up in texas spent the vast majority of my childhood in dallas and mm-hmm. really chose wake forest uh, at first because it, you know i was a basketball player and i was going to go to wake uh as a basketball player but i broke my legs this is this is great advice to high school students that um, are looking to get into medicine, you have to have balance. If you're an athlete, you have to do well in academics because your athletic and career can end at any time. And I had a devastating tibial plateau avulsion fracture uh, when I was in high school, went up for a dunk, Raj, and just ripped the top part of my tibia off and it lost. Oh my God. Yeah, right there in the game. Yeah. And I had to get carted off in an air cast and go have emergency surgery. So uh, a full year oh. rehab, you know, yeah. wheelchair, crutches, all that great stuff. And, um, uh, really tough, uh, just mentally, you know, on a 17 year old kid who's literally played basketball his entire life. But luckily, yeah. I had great grades, you know, 4.0 or 4. Point, I guess more than that, right? Because advanced placement kind of like a 4.2 GPA and uh, top one percent of the class, and I got a full full ride to Wake. So uh, lost all my uh, my athletic scholarships, but ended up going to Wake on a full ride and um, want to be a doctor since I was six years old. And oh, there's no physicians in our family, but it's just something that, you know, science, anatomy, physiology, I was always attracted to and uh, went to Wake Forest um, to have a well-rounded education. So really that liberal arts education allowed me to not only dive into the sciences, chemistry, biology, uh, but also art and music and economics. Um, and really now that I've, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty far into my career. Those are great foundations for me. So I recommend any high school students to to not just focus on the sciences, but uh, to check out the liberal arts because you're going to get all those science courses in for your pre med recommendations to uh, requirements to get into medical school. But um, economics, in particular, man, <laughs> it's paid huge dividends. Dr. Yeah. Raj. <laughs> well, I can tell. No one can see it. I see your background compared to my dirty office over here. <laughs> dividends, you know. Uh, wait, wait, we had to go back to, to just. I got to ask. I didn't. I didn't know this story at all. So you weren't like coming off the bench in high school. You were some that may have possibly may have yeah. college to play sports. Uh, I definitely, definitely wow. would have played D one basketball. Um, I'm not saying I was 
probably talented enough to make it to the NBA, but you never know. I was also a a late bloomer, Um, Uh, but I definitely was good enough to play D1. And unfortunately, injuries uh, erased that that dream. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that wasn't it wasn't meant to be, Dr. Raj. I was I was supposed to be a family medicine doctor, but I got it. It was a long a very, uh, very challenging road to get to where I am today. So, well, I'm glad you chose where you have, where, where it went left you, but I'll tell you this much, dude, you know, I'm still dreaming about ever getting close to dunking the ball. At least <laughs> it wasn't like tripping over the bench to get on the court. You know what I mean? You could tell your kid, Hey, dad was dunking when he, uh, changed his whole career. To yeah. Career, you know? Yeah. You know, and and that's a that's that's a that's a good point, Doctor Raj. I, I I need to get back in shape. You know, I my goal. I'm, I'm I'll be 40 years old here shortly, and my goal <laughs> is to dunk a basketball again. And I think I'm going to go for a Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest family medicine doctor to dunk a basketball. Yeah, I, I love do, that. Do you think there's any 40 year old primary care doctors out there that can dunk? I don't think so. Maybe there are, but. Maybe there's some orthopedic surgeons or some, you know, other fields that could probably still grow down. <laughs> but primary care doctors aren't typically known for their athleticism. I like, dude, we, we're, we're, dude this is another podcast. We'll do it like an, an, a video to see you go up. Yes. I'm going to be pulling I need, for I, you. Yeah, I need six months though, to get myself <laughs> back in shape to see if I can still, if I can still slam. So, no, Wake Forest is great. And I think, you know... Think about the great schools over there, whether it's going to be Duke or the Tar Heels or Wake Forest. That's I love North Carolina schools. And so college wise, did you have I was kind of reading in between the lines. Did you have a combo where after college you knew kind of where you're going to go to med school or was that a whole different like flying across the country? How did that yeah. happen? Yeah, you know, med school. um, I, I kind of wanted to come back to Texas, but I wasn't locked in on it. So, okay. you know, I applied. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it. I, I think I did only apply to Texas medical schools. Okay, um, man, you're really part of Texas, man. I got to- yeah, you know, I, you know, sometimes you have to leave to really uh-huh. understand how great a place is. And I love <laughs> North Carolina. I, I love having a full four seasons and and all that. But I'm a Texas boy, man. I I knew that <laughs> I wanted to come back to Texas. So yeah, I, I recall now that I only applied to Texas schools. I, t- I applied to, at that time, all eight Texas schools. Okay. And, um, you know, Baylor was my top choice. Uh, Baylor Great choice. And UT Southwestern. They yep. were, back then, Baylor was ranked um, eight in the country, and I think UT was probably 12 or 13. So so two very good schools. Yep. Um, I got into both. I was fortunate Yay. to get into both. But, you know, I got a I got a, a pretty much a full tuition scholarship to, to Baylor College of Medicine. So it was a no brainer as my number one pick. And I got a I got a great scholarship. And um, I was just, you know, very blessed and very fortunate to, to really study hard and and work hard. And, and um, I, I consider myself to be a pretty dynamic person. So I interview well. You can imagine. <laughs> yes, uh, you do. Even, even you- back then in my youth, I, I still had a, had that charisma. I think in the the NFL, they call it juice. juice. (laughs) Uh, Now, no matter how much juice you have, you still got to answer these two questions to help out the med students that listen to the podcast. So uh, in med school, kind of focusing on the the first two years, what topic, what subject really made you cringe a little bit? And going into the clinical years, uh, which uh, rotations really kind of like really just influenced you in your path to become a, a physician and choosing your residency? Oh yeah. So, so hundred percent, the courses that just, I just could not get into it was immunology. I, I don't <laughs> okay. know, Dr. Raj, I just, 
I procrastinated. I literally, it, I, I, I read the, and I shouldn't admit this and, and medical students don't do this. I read the entire textbook in one, one night what? Right for the final exam. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> was that like an on Adderall thing or there was no Ritalin involved to do that? No, how, no, how did no, you no. Do that? I, I, uh, I didn't start drinking caffeine until uh, I was a surgery resident. So well, of course, no caffeine, <laughs> um, just, and, and don't do this guys, like go to class, yep. take it all in over the course of the semester. But you know, I, um, I was doing other things, Dr. Raj. I'm not going to lie to you. I was, <laughs> I was acting. I was, I was <laughs> in, med school, in med school, in med school. Yeah. I was oh doing all kinds of stuff that I, I just, I, I've, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been doing, I had a nutrition consulting company. I, I was always doing all kinds of stuff that wow. I shouldn't be doing and should be focusing on one thing. And my parents definitely told me to focus, but I just, I, I never have listened very well. <laughs> I've always kind of beat to my own drum. Uh, but at the same time, I've never been reckless. I've, I've always had goals and dreams and aspirations and prioritized things, maybe in the wrong order, but med school was still a priority. Uh, but immunology was not. And I, uh, I crammed that bad boy in one day. I passed. I passed the test, <laughs> but barely. It wasn't one of my, one of my, uh, one of my strong suits and still isn't, but no, it was, it was, <laughs> With COVID, I'm, I'm much better because I had to learn. Oh, <laughs> of course, of my God. Uh, with, with, with COVID and, and mRNA vaccines and all that stuff. But guys, get the foundation. All those courses are super important. They might not seem like it, but when you get into your clinical rotations, it's all going to make sense. It's going to click. And especially when you, get, when you become uh, a resident and an attending, um, you, you need that baseline. And, I, and I'll tell you what, Dr. Raj, mm -hmm. uh, you need to get his books because this guy knows a little bit oh. about everything. <laughs> He, his knowledge of anatomy, physiology, pathophys, it is exceptional. It is much better than mine, but I also do a lot of business stuff now at this point in my career. Um, but he's a, he's a great teacher and, and, and really get, grab his books, grab his, his, uh, his audio tapes, because I wish I had you as a teacher when I was in med school, Dr. Raj, I probably would have um, paid more attention in immunology. Well, you, you, you can see it, everyone. Once again, we need to do video next time. I'm, I'm like blushing. My heart's like jumping up and down. James always knows how to make me feel like the, the, the most special person in the room, which he does now, you know. Um, so this is a great segue. You know, you know, I agree with you. I'm 100%. So prepare for the rotations. I want to know during your rotations, which ones influenced you the most? Because I know the next step is there's some surgery. There's some family practice. Yeah. What influenced you the most? And yes. so, so back then, you know, I wanted to be a surgeon and um, I had a, a, a plastic surgeon who was my mentor, Dr. Anthony Brissett, and he was okay. fantastic. So, you know, my plastics rotation was just unbelievable. My pediatric surgery rotation was unbelievable with Dr. O. Um, look, at, you know, at Baylor College of Medicine, you've got literally uh, some of the, the best doctors in the world, um, just like USC, you know, Dr. Raj, oh, thank you. Uh, we got some, we got some great, just exposed to some unbelievable people. So those rotations were really, you know, really influenced my career path. Um, and I, and, and also my, um, my dermatology rotation, uh, my Mohs surgery okay. rotation with, uh, Dr. Rango, she was fantastic. And, and, um, we really had some great, some great laughs. And I'll tell one quick anecdote when I was go for it in her, in her rotation. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we were the, the, you know, cutting off a you know, like basal cell carcinoma or something like that. I don't know if it was a basal cell or squamous or whatever. It's just 20 years ago, but um, she let me, she let me close. So I'm, I'm, I'm closing and I'm telling her about, you know, um, that I have a, a baby girl at home. 
And I'm like, you know, I got this three-year-old baby girl. I love her to death. She's just eyes big. She's just shocked, right? She has no idea that I had a, I had a child mm-hmm. uh, or she, she thinks that it's a child. I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about this baby girl, how amazing she is and all these things I do for her. And at the end, I tell her that it's, it's my car. Uh, and she, <laughs> she just <laughs> went off on me. She's like, oh my gosh, I thought you had a kid. I was so amazed that you're in medical school and you've got it and you're raising your child and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, that's my, my, I showed her, well, I showed her a picture of, of my car. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell her. I said, oh, this is my baby girl right there. You know, her name is Misty. She's like, oh, I thought you were talking about a kid. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mislead you. Talking about my 2004 G35 coupe. Um, Dude, James, you kind of scared me for a second because I didn't catch that joke at the beginning. I'm like, is this podcast going the way of Jerry Springer or something? Because good. <laughs> I'll get more fans, but I didn't know what you missed. Yeah, no, no. I think That's my, funny. My, wife, my wife would be even more shocked if I told her I had a three-year-old when I was in medical school. <laughs> um, so you're, you're looking at the skin. You have awesome like uh, plastic surgeon mentors. So does that kind of lead the way to... You want to be in the OR? Do you love being in the yeah. OR? Was that, the, yeah. was that what happened after med school? Yeah, you know, I I, I thought I loved being in the OR and <laughs> um, I I wanted to go into reconstructive plastics and I, I've i always been an artist and had an artistic ability as well. So, um, you know, it, it really fit my mindset and, and where I wanted to go and, um, you know, got into the prestigious Cedar sinai right there in, in Los Angeles with yeah. Dr. Raj and... <laughs> Was that your, no, you have to say, was that one of your top choices or did you just want to come to LA because it's LA or how, why, um, I love you, you know, I wanted, for a while. I, wanted to, I wanted to do both, right? I wanted to act. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, um, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Okay. Do the surgery thing and maybe on the side, you know, mm-hmm. try and do some, some acting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that's impossible. You can't, you can't. <laughs> you'd have been the first. I mean, yeah, you, you can't do a residency program and also yep. act. You, you have mm-hmm. zero time. And, and back mm-hmm. then there was no, um, there was no 80 hour work week. So oh, is it still 80 hours? So they changed that. Uh, you know, sleep is important. You know, that as much as I do. So oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I agree with the 80 hour still, you. you know, they're working on it to probably make it last, but we'll see. Yeah. So there, there was, there was none of that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you do, you know, I mean, I think it was the first year, actually, it was supposed to be, I don't remember, but all I know is I worked all the time, right? 36 (laughs) hour shifts. And I mean, Q2, I mean, it was just nuts. And I realized that, you know, I still love being in the operating suite. I I loved surgery, but I did love the lifestyle and, you know, I'm a people person. Like you, I can tell. I I like to talk to people, and in surgery, you just you know they're asleep. You know, and the post-op care is quick, and and the pre-op care is quick, and you and everything is just go 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 move move move. And I can do that, but I don't love that. Okay, I I like to get to know people, understand your story, and then watch the transformation. So, I and after about six months, I quickly realized. Well, it's not very quickly, but I realized <laughs> that um, surgery was not for me, and that was a really hard time in my life, Doctor Raj. I I, yeah. I really had that quarter life crisis, and I remember it was like two o'clock in the morning on the West Coast, and I had six pagers. <laughs> it was we, we called it Rainbow Call. So I had okay. you know gen surge trauma. Uh, thoracic, pediatrics, what are the other two? Two other ones. And then I had three phones. So literally, I could oh my barely God. put my pants up. <laughs> six pagers and three phones. Yeah. Um, and all of them went off at the same time. Oh, my I, God. I just, 
I remember I was on the bridge coming from on the eighth floor at Cedars coming from one tower to the next. And I just broke down, man. I just I started bawling and I called my mom in the middle of the night and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, you know what? Just do one thing at a time. Don't think about all nine devices going off. Prioritize, write it down and do one thing at a time and you'll get through the night. So great advice from mom. Yeah, no, I love that story. I, I made it through the night. You know, people were, it was just crazy. You know, you, you, you still do ICU work, man. I had people in the SICU crashing, a trauma coming in. I mean, it was just nuts. And, um, but I knew that surgery wasn't for me. You know, you have to have a, you have to have a different kind of drive and a different kind of heart and, 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 and the death too. I don't know how you do it, Dr. Rush. I didn't deal with the death very well at all. I got very attached to the patients. And, and unfortunately in medicine, we're going to lose patients. It, it, yeah. It's just part of it. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't cope with it. It, 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 it. I couldn't let it go when I, when I left the hospital, I was still thinking about, I, and I, to this day, I still think about a, a, a NICU baby that we lost um, on new year's Eve. Aww. And uh, I, every new year's Eve to this day. And again, this is, you know, 15 years ago, I still get sad. And I still think about that family that lost their child on new year's Eve, their firstborn daughter. So, um, yeah. that's, those are things that in medical school you have, you don't know that you can't deal with, like yeah. you, you, you don't know how hard things are going to hit you. So I encourage the medical students that when you're picking a specialty, make sure you immerse yourself. Don't just do a month of it, you know, really talk to doctors in that specialty and understand the underbelly, the stuff no one wants to talk about, <laughs> because that is what's going to put you in a place to really succeed in that field. And not be in the place where I was, where I had to find another career path because yeah. it wasn't a great match for me. Great story. But now, you know, there's going to be another a sequel. You can't just stop the story there. How I mean, here's like what's left. We have medicine, family practice, peds, OB. How did, yes. how did you go from there? I mean, how was the yes. transition? And, and who um, was your mom the uh, probably the best mentor at this time to, during this transition to pick the next phase in your life? Um, I'd say both my parents, my mom and dad are, have always been super supportive on what okay. I want to do. And, and um, you know, moms are typically more, you know, emotional and understanding and dads are more like, yeah, dads <laughs> are like, dude, get your act together and figure <laughs> it out. But, you know, don't procrastinate, stay focused. So that's, that's kind of the <laughs> yeah. two, two sides of the coin that were the yeah. perfect, perfect, you know, compliment. Right. So I got, yep. you know, dad telling me you're always going to have a job. If you, if you finish some sort of residency program, it's great yep. job security. Um, you're always going to be able to feed your family no matter what you're going to be able to, to be successful. And mom's like, you know, like follow your heart. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. You know, <laughs> so love it's, it. you know, I love it. Kind of the, both sides. Right. Then, um, you know, at Cedars, it's a celebrity hospital in, in, uh, in Beverly Hills. And um, I got exposed to concierge medicine. That's where that's the first time I got exposed to it. And I was taking care of a, a celebrity late at night and um, doing some post-op rounds. And they asked me to call their doctor. And I said, dude, it's like 12 o'clock at night. Uh, <laughs> they're like, yeah, I want my doctor to know what's going on with me right now. I'm like, All right. It's, it's Cedars. You know, your, your patient's asking. You you <laughs> it's, it's different than 99% of the hospitals in the country. <laughs> And you might get some of that at USC as well, but, but Cedar's, his own, Cedar's yep. his own animal. So mm-hmm. I called the doc, gave him a report. He was super gracious, thanked me. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I started doing some research on concierge medicine. Now this is back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and um, it, it really spoke to me. I was like, that's, this is cool. You know, I, I get to be on call. 
on my terms, you know, I, 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 I'm on call all the time, but I'm not in the hospital all the time. Yeah. Right? I can still, you know, have a family someday and, and, you know, just, just be able to integrate the career and the family because Dr. Raj, you got a family and, and it's hard. It's yeah. hard when you're doing 12, 14, 16 hour days. And then you still got to give your, your wife and your kids all the attention that they need. So it's, it's hard. And I still do that now. I still work 12, 14 hours a day, but I'm sitting in my house, you know, like my, my yeah. four-year-old might pop in here at any moment and scream, daddy. You know? <laughs> That'd be I'll awesome. Say, I'll say, get out of here. I'll play with you in 20 minutes. But the point <laughs> is I'm here, I'm accessible. And, and that's, the, that's the lifestyle that I wanted back then. So how I transitioned from surgery mm-hmm. to family medicine is a crazy story. <laughs> okay. And you probably won't believe me, but it, it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, scramble, scramble day. So right. for all the younger medical students, you, you, know, you apply to a bunch of residency programs and, and then you match, right? They, you mm-hmm. rank them, they rank you, and then you match. Well, unfortunately for, what is it? 10, 15, 20%? Yeah, uh, that amount. Don't match. Yeah. And you have to do something called scramble. Is it still called scrambling? We use that word. I love yeah. we're talking about this. People are taking notes right now. That you- yes. So you got to scramble. And that means you got to find a program last minute mm-hmm. that has an open spot. Yep. So I'm thinking about getting into family medicine to do concierge medicine, um, but I haven't made up my mind. And I am finishing a, a 24-hour shift and it's like eight o'clock, um, no, seven o'clock on the West Coast. So 10 o'clock on the East Coast. And um, I'm walking past the, the surgery office and like people are going nuts in there. And the, the interns that hadn't got into a full program that were doing their transitional year were scrambling. I said, what are you okay. guys doing? They're like, we didn't match. We're scrambling. I'm like, huh, maybe I should do that. <laughs> so, on, right there, post-call, I yeah. write. I write an essay. Oh, I fill out. I fill out the application. Literally, yeah. That right there took me about thirty minutes. But I, I, I wow, I school, so I'm, I, yeah. I I'm, a, I'm a pretty good writer. Okay, and um, I start picking. I start picking family medicine residencies. <laughs> I didn't know anything about any of them, but I picked it based on the city. Oh. Right. Okay. So I picked one in Miami. I picked one in, in, in Houston okay. um, where I went to med school. I picked one in Dallas where I really wanted to be. I want to come back sure. home to Dallas. Mm-hmm. I picked one in, in Los Angeles because I was already living in Los Angeles. So, okay. Makes sense. Um, I think I might've picked even USC family medicine. Could be. I, I picked one. like five yep. places yep. solely on geographic location. Yep. Had no idea <laughs> who the program director was, what I was getting myself into. And, um, the 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 facts the, the phone lines were just clogged because I mean you got hundreds of of residents trying to mm-hmm. to scramble or match I mean it's with the medical students exactly right? so you got basically you have interns and you have medical students trying to get into these, yep. these last spots so I did some research and I ended up just faxing all my applications in and I backdoored. Uh, Dr. Brett Johnson, who's the program director at, at Dallas Methodist Charlton. Okay. And somehow got his cell phone. That's the Willy Wonka ticket to get one of the program directors. Cell yeah. Numbers. And I, and I called him and he picked up and he, that my application had yeah. just, he'd just seen it. And the fact that I had, I had, act, I put acting when I was in medical, cause I did acting. I did a, I did a Walmart commercial that paid for 
uh, <laughs> you know, half my living expenses. <laughs> so, <laughs> one national side commercial. So that's, he, he saw my app and that's what, you know, put my name to the top out of, you know, 200 other applications. Yeah. He's like, this is super wow. interesting. So we talked for like yeah. 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, all right, I want you to interview with the, the associate program director and another attending. Okay. So I interview and remember I'm post-call I'm post-call. So I'm exhausted <laughs> and I'm interviewing and, and I'm talking I'm boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm knocking at the park. Right? <laughs> so an hour later, Dr. Johnson calls me back and he's like, you know, we all love your application. We love you, but we're worried that you're going to come in for a year and then do something else, go act, go start a business. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's, that's a pretty good assessment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I told them, I reassured them that, no, you know, I'm going to do family medicine. I'm here to stay and, you know, said all the right things. In reality, I had no idea. Right. I'm super confused. I'm in a quarter life crisis, but I know You're I don't want to do surgery. I'm post-call. <laughs> I'm delirious. Yeah. So, I mean, 10 minutes, I'm selling Dr. J. Uh, <laughs> number one, I'm Dr. J. Number two. I'm selling Dr. Johnson <laughs> on Dr. James, right? Yeah. And again, I got a little bit of juice, even post-call. <laughs> and I sold him. And he said, That's awesome. welcome to Dallas Methodist. And I said, thank you, sir. I hung up the phone <laughs> and I started bawling. Oh, man. Tears streaming down my face. Of what joy. did you just do? Oh, no, of sadness. Yeah. Sadness. Sadness. Oh, shock. I, what oh. did you just do? Like, I don't make <laughs> the, you know, spur of the moment, like decisions, right? right? I just made, I just spent pretty much my life savings moving yeah. from Houston to LA. Yeah. Now I'm moving back from LA to Dallas. Okay. And I'm just emotional. And I, and I, I'm like, oh my, what did I just do? <laughs> I knew I didn't want to be in surgery, but I wasn't sure. Right. Cause I'm doing it. Yes, you're right. Yeah. I'm, I had to re rush. I, they made me repeat my intern year. Oh, so the, oh, it was a, it was a PGY one spot. Yeah. Wow. So you did. It a- wouldn't give me a PGY two spot. Ah, I see. I see. I see. So I'm like, oh man, I'm like, do I really want to do this again? Like this is you just you know, give that guy your word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I talked to my program director, uh, Dr. Ali Salim there yeah. at Cedar Sinai. And he called yeah. me down and like, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I was post-call. I was exhausted. Yeah. I hadn't eaten. And, you know, I just made a life-changing decision without sleeping yeah. or eating, which is never a good idea. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, it was the right move. And I I uh finished the year out. I moved my life back to Texas and I've been here ever since. I love that story. And, you know, sometimes the best decisions, when you think about it too much, you may make the wrong decision and you never know. I mean, your passion for the te- for the, for the acting and doing these things that Walmart commercial, I never heard about it paid off in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like look, when you, when, you, when, you look, when you look at, when you look at basically 20 years later at all the stuff that I was doing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been doing media now for eight or nine years and 
and same with you, you know, we just didn't start on chasing the cure. We, we did a lot of small stuff and <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of other TV shows. And I had a, a little TV show, a local TV show here in Dallas called alive with Dr. James for a few months. And then I got canceled. And it was really sad, oh. uh, but the network, the network got canceled. So okay. it didn't knock you off. It was the network, the, the network <laughs> but it was sad, you know, yeah. and, and then one thing leads to another and, and we're on a national TV show with uh, the incredible Ann Curry. And, um, yeah. you know, life, life, uh, throws curveballs at you and you just gotta, you gotta take them. You gotta keep swinging and, and, and keep working hard and follow your passion, follow your passion. Love the passion. It's I, you know? best dude. Well, before I forget, I want to do two, we have to talk about concierge medicine. I want to talk a little bit at the end about like, uh, a medical topic. It's a little medical at the end, but hey, do me a favor before we I ask you about concierge. I want everyone to make sure we're on the same page. I want to give you the, the general question: What is a concierge doctor? And in your in your bio, you said direct primary care, personalized medical service provider. Can you give me just the listeners a, a broad definition, James? Yeah. So there's there's kind of two schools of thought about concierge medicine. There's the the IRS definition, the Affordable <laughs> Care Act definition, right? So concierge okay. medicine technically is when you charge a retainer or annual fee and also charge insurance. So the, the annual fee gets you access to your doctor, right? You can you call okay. your cell phone, you can text, you can video chat, do all those things, but you also charge insurance on the traditional insurance platforms, right? So the Blue Cross Blue Shield United, United Aetna, um, Humana, and then Medicare, Medi- not, not Medicaid, Medicare. Mm-hmm. So that's concierge medicine. Direct primary care is when you don't charge insurance. So you just pay cash uh, for your visits. Typically, it is a monthly or annual fee, and, you, and it's typically all-inclusive. So for us, mm-hmm. we're technically a direct primary care practice, even though, as you know, Dr. Rush, I charge a lot of money for Dr. James's services. <laughs> uh, but we also have different levels of service, right? We have, a, we have a service. We have a virtual care model that starts at um, 65 bucks a month. We have a direct care in-person, diamond direct care in-person model that starts at $95 a month. And then uh, I won't tell you what I charge, but... It's a lot. <laughs> um, so we got something for everybody. And that's what I love about it because you get unlimited visits, no copays, 24-hour access to your doctor, unlimited urgent care for one low monthly fee. Uh, and it really is incredible. It reinvigorates that patient-physician relationship. You get to spend time with your patients. I, um, I have residents rotate with me from, from oh. um, Methodist Charlton to understand. Um, I've had a couple of medical students swing through as well. But it's a great way uh, to practice medicine and not have to deal with all the bureaucracy of getting paid. Um, yeah. And, and when, and when you have a, a direct relationship with your patient, you can all, you also can, you can just deliver better care. Cause you don't have to worry about, um, you know, we get x-rays for, for 75 bucks for a three, three series, three view series, oh. we get MRIs for 300. That's CCC actually really reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Oh my God. I, I can get a, I can get an echo at your house for one fifty. Oh In fact, God. I just did it. I just did it for myself. Yeah. My, my <laughs> arm was hurting me, Dr. Raj. My left mm-hmm. arm was hurting me. Um, and my wife was like, she, she's basically a doctor now because she's lived with me for so long. And she's like, I'm sure. you might have a blood clot in your arm. Like, you're actually, you're right, honey. I might have a DVT in my arm. Uh, she's like, well, you need to get that checked out. I'm like, fine. So I ordered myself a, a, a left arm sonogram yeah. uh, to make sure I didn't have a blood clot in my arm. Yeah. They came to my house uh, and for 150 bucks, I found out that I didn't have a blood clot in my arm. It was great. Wow. So, hey, I, I, I got these wonderful five questions. And, you know, because you're right. People ask me about concierge medicine all the time when I have my graduating residence. And you do it for subspecialties. You know, I mean, there's subspecialty services. And I don't have all the right answers because I'm not as knowledgeable as you as this. So I kind of put together these questions. So 
One question about concierge. Can you answer this? If someone says, I already have pretty good health insurance, why would I pay more money to go see a doctor? And I thought that was a really good question. How would you? Yeah. So you can either pay with your time or your money. So if you're okay (laughs) with waiting, you know, for an hour to see your doctor and then sitting in the exam room for another 45 minutes and then having your doctor come in there for seven minutes, which is the national average of face-to-face time with your primary care physician. Is that true? Is that true, James? Seven minutes? Seven minutes. Oh my God. And then you get a script and you're off. And if you're okay with that, then concierge direct primary care is not for you. If you don't like to wait for two hours to see your doctor for seven minutes, then concierge direct primary care is where you need to be. So it's, it's a pretty simple answer. You know, you can either pay with your time or your money. You can sit there and pay with your time and wait, or you can jump the line, get great access, call your doctor after hours. Uh, so it's, it's really great for people who are also interested in just elevating their health. People okay. that want to be the best versions of themselves. So, yeah. um, you know, you're you're a sleep doctor. I love sleep. If you've got questions about sleep and it's eight o'clock at night and you want to go over some great sleep habits and great sleep hygiene, you can call me and say, hey, Dr. J, should I be on my cell phone right before bed? And I can tell you, <laughs> no, that blue light is going to stimulate that pineal gland and make Ooh. you think that it's daytime and mess up your circadian rhythms. So, yeah, you need to take that away. Whereas... You'd nice. have to make a visit mm-hmm. and, and wait for you know an hour to see your doctor to ask this question. It's just not convenient. It's not, it's not, you know, amenable to most people's lifestyles that really are into their health. So that's that's my recommendations for that question on is it worth it? Absolutely. If you really want to invest in your health. And I like, and I'm gonna play off you know, your answer and you say that, you know, let's say that most people ask me about this or are interested in this are not the super elderly yet. We're all going to get there at some point. If I get a lot of people my age, I'm going to give you my exact age, but somewhere between the 30s and you know, in the 40s, maybe somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say you have a healthy person. Uh, if a healthy person says, Dr. James, why do I need you or concierge medicine? I'm a healthy dude or dudette. Is this still something I should be looking into? How do you? Uh, well, uh, my, first, my first question to them would be, how do you know you're healthy? Uh, <laughs> right. Because just because you feel good doesn't mean that you're healthy. Okay. Um, you know, disease, well as you know, diseases don't manifest in symptoms until much <laughs> until adva- until they're advanced. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. like you don't you don't you, you don't get uh, peripheral neuropathy with just mild insulin resistance. You know, yeah, that is way down the chain. So I would say to that person, how do you know you're healthy? Let me tell you if you're healthy or not. Let's do some advanced testing. Let's really look into inflammation and insulin resistance and cardiovascular health. And then let's keep you healthy. Prevention is key. Let's be proactive instead of reactive. The entire medical uh, system is based on reactive medicine. You don't go to see your doctor until you don't feel good, until you something's wrong, something hurts, yeah. something's not quite right. We need to change the way we think about medicine. And let's say, hey, let's go to the doctor every month just to make sure nothing's wrong to make sure that I'm not going down the wrong path. Because once you're down the wrong path, it's usually too late for you to reverse those chronic disease, reverse that hyperlipidemia, that hypertension, that diabetes. Yeah. Let's figure it out before it gets to a catastrophic endpoint where you've got end-stage renal disease, you've got pulmonary issues, you've got crazy risk factors for heart attack and stroke, atherosclerosis, endothelial damage. Let's focus on things before they get to that point, right? So we look at a lot of ways to not only reverse chronic disease, but stop it from happening in the first place with diet, exercise, lifestyle modification, functional integrative medicine. Um, There's a whole world out there that's all about prevention that is just amazing. 
So let, let, let's play the real role play. So let's, I'm going to be your patient. I'm going to be your first time visit. Okay. So let's say uh, I picked the big baller package for, <laughs> I mean, I checked the top box, you know what I'm saying? Got the grand slam. So you see me for the first time. So what, what, what are you, are you doing a, a comprehensive, what are you going to order on me? How do you approach these patients on the first visit? Yeah. Yeah. So the very first visit, I always need that comprehensive medical history, medical okay. students first, and it is long. All right. And we have to fill it out first. And I like to review it before I ever talk to the patient. So I get all the history, surgical, family, um, medical, social, everything. Right. Um, and then really that first visit is an hour and a half of reviewing the medical history. I don't order a test. Oh, I need, okay. I don't. I need to understand. Do that. Do does do you, Doctor Raj, my patient? Yeah. Do you understand what's wrong with you? Do do you? And 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 nine times out of ten, they have no idea <laughs> what any of that stuff means because no one's ever sat down and explained what is diabetes, what is insulin resistance, yeah. what is hyperlipidemia. So we talk about all these things, and then we talk about goals. What do you? What do you want to get out yeah. of this practice? Do you want to reverse all this stuff? Do you want to live to your hundred? Do you, do you want, you know, increased muscle mass? Do you want to uh, feel better? Do you want more energy? And, and once I understand what the patient knows and understands about themselves and what their goals are, yeah. then we put together a plan of action, a POA uh-huh. to determine what's the best way to get there. That's when okay. I order tests and um, we have a whole executive physical program. So typically I I determine, you know, what their budget is because yeah. it's expensive. So do you want, because I'm honestly, Dr. Raj, and you know, yep. this, the annual, the comprehensive labs is a joke, right? CBC, <laughs> CMP, A1C, TSH, lipid panel. I mean, that's, that just scratches the surface. And of course, I mean, you can have a normal CBC, CMP, slightly elevated A1C, normal yeah. TSH, normal, fairly normal lipids and still be sick as a dog. And, and none of that <laughs> stuff right. is going to show. So we really, we really focus on inflammation and there's all okay. kinds of advanced inflammatory markers that we never, I never learned in medical school. Maybe they're teaching it now, but I doubt it. Um, <laughs> you know, myeloperoxidase, right? PLA2, LPA. Wow. Now HS, you're throwing out CRP. some words, man. I, I got to go read after this. <laughs> yeah. So we do all these biomarkers that are mm-hmm. super advanced, super innovative. Okay. You know, I do. I don't just do an a- A1C, you know, I do a fasting insulin. I want to, I want to really understand what that pancreas is doing and, yeah. and how much circulating, um, you know, insulin you have in your, in your bloodstream, Sure. because we want to see how much glucose is being pushed into those cells. Yeah. Uh, and we, this is all the kind of stuff that we do at diamond, at diamond physicians. And we offer to our patients, you can just take the basic annual labs that are included in your membership if you want, yep. but I'm very upfront with, with our clients yep. and telling them, look, that's not going to tell me much. And it's why. People go to the, see their doctor every year. They have borderline blood pressure, pretty much normal labs. They get a clean bill of health and they drop dead of a heart attack six months later, Dr. Raj, yeah. because those labs don't check inflammation, which is the key to cardiovascular risk. No, I love that answer. Now, let me give a self-serving question. So, you know, I specialize, so I don't get a chance to do practice internal medicine. So let's say someone's like, hey, uh, I want to go concierge, but let's say something very niche comes up, very specific. So let's say I have a lung issue. Not to say, Dr. James, you're not the master of the lung, but I may have one up on you on that one. So let's say there's a... <laughs> okay. Yeah. How do you incorporate specialists into a, you know what I mean? A service that's concierge? Yeah. Is it yeah. Great, great question. Great question. Yeah. So since we know you're a world-renowned pulmonologist, 
<laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> uh, let's say someone comes to me with, um, you know, some lung issues, right? So I'm going to take it as far as I can with my family medicine knowledge. I'm going to get some PFTs for you, Dr. Raj. Okay. I'm going to do a six All minute right. walk test. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to get a pulse ox. I'm going to do a chest x-ray, maybe even mm-hmm. a high res CT. Oh, damn. Now you're going there. Yeah. And I'm going to compile all this stuff. And if I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. You got to, you got to put pride out of the way, you know, then I'm going to call up Dr. Raj and say, Hey, look, I got this patient, um, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to create mm-hmm. a nice tight, you know, packet of information for you. Okay. So can you help me figure out what's going on? And I, and I do, and I do a pulmonary uh, console and I do that with endocrinology or dermatology, whatever it may be. I'm going to do all the data and all the collection that I can until if I can't figure out like, like on chasing the cure, if I can't figure out the diagnosis, then I call in reinforcements and I call in a specialist, but I'm not going to say, oh, you've got pulmonary fibrosis and you can't breathe. I'm not just going to send you, send them over to you. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to dive into it as much as I can nice. um, before I refer out. And that's how we work. I love that. And, you know, another question, what I thought was great. And this was from actually one of the residents, or I think a fellow now that they want to go into concierge, but you know, what you said is like, your phone's kind of always on you. you like, you know, when we're on chasing the cure and you're always like calling people back and stuff, <laughs> but you're a busy guy and you have a kid, I have kids. So are you always on call? Am I always going to be on call? Are we, are you on call? Yeah. How do you answer that when people? Yeah. So here's the thing about being on, I've been on call for 10 years straight. Okay. <laughs> I still travel the world. I still have done a national TV show. I still run a fairly large business that has multiple facets and I still have a family. And I, I think I do a pretty good job balancing everything. You do. The key is having a very, very firm conversation with each new patient. And here's what I tell every patient that signs up with me. Eight to five, call the office because I'm probably in with a patient or on Dr. Raj's podcast or through the TV <laughs> show, right? After hours, call me directly. So between 5 p.m. and 8 a.m., you call my cell phone for emergencies, okay? <laughs> for urgencies, mm-hmm. you may send me a text, write me an email. Emergencies, call me, Okay. If you have a prodromal cough that I told you mm-hmm. is from a virus and it's not going to go away for three weeks, do not call me at 2 a.m. because you have a cough. I told you <laughs> that you're going to have a cough for a few weeks and none of the cough suppressants work very well. Well said. And, and, and as long as you're fr- up front with that, you're yeah. not going to get called in the middle of the night for garbage. It's just not going to happen. And if you do, you fire them. because at the end of the day, you control the relationship. And because I want to know what's going on with my clients, if someone is having, um, you know, aphasia at 10 o'clock at night, you, you need to, you need to call me and then then I'll tell you to call 911 (laughs) because you might be having a stroke. Uh, so, and and it's crazy. Like people literally call me first when it's an obvious call 911 and it's fine. I had someone break their arm, basically a compound fracture, and they called me first. And I was like, uh, yeah, call 911. You need, you need to go to the <laughs> immediately. But it's, it's okay because yeah. I have that kind of relationship with my patients. I want to know what's going on with them because I, I, I truly care. So I don't get called for nonsense. And I tell them, I have a family. Yeah. Uh, I go to bed um, between 10 and 10.30, right? Sleep medicine. Yeah. Sleep is very important. Uh, and, I get well up around, and, I, and I get up around six. Between yep. five thirty and six, so, and I have family time from seven thirty to ten thirty. So only call me if it's super urgent. 
And they only call me if it's super urgent. And if it's not, you send me a text or an email, I'll get back to you within, within 12 hours. So it's, it's great. I mean, you just have to be, you, you, you can't let your patients walk all over you. If they're calling you at 11, 12 o'clock at night and you, and you let that happen, it's going to happen. But if you tell them, Hey, look, this wasn't very urgent. Like, you know, I didn't need to explain the difference between peanut butter and almond butter to you at 1130 at night. <laughs> I could have waited until, you know, 930. I could tell you that almond butter is a better choice than peanut butter. with less sugar. Um, so it, you know, it's great. Like I, I just, I can't explain how awesome, you know, the relationship that we have with our clients and concierge medicine is, um, you know, uh, my doctors make more money. They have more time with their family and they have more time with their patients. It's a triple win. So here's kind of like the last question about concierge. And it was kind of like, from both the patient perspective and a a doctor perspective who may want to go that route is it sounds really great. It really does. So the, and I couldn't answer it to the the resident fellow. Is there a catch? I mean, is it really that nice of a lifestyle? Is it really my, the patients are that much more happier and accessible to you? Is there something that we don't know? And you could tell me if there's a little backend story that people are unhappy. Is it, it sounds great. Yeah. I mean, People typically say our our model is too good to be true. When I tell them, well, I've been doing it for 10 years and it's not too good to be true. It just, it's so much better than the nutritional insurance model. From a yeah. physician standpoint, there's no catch. Uh, wow. It's amazing. The only thing people have to understand though, it's not easy to build your practice. You're not, you're not just going to, I'm going to do concierge medicine and then, and then get 300 patients to pay you, you know, $5,000 a year. It doesn't work like that. You have to work just like any other business. You have to have a business model. You have to have a growth strategy. You have to be dynamic and charismatic and get yourself out there and promote yourself, which you do a great job of, Dr. Raj. Um, <laughs> you have to establish you know, a brand and, and, yep. and be a people's person. And a lot of doctors cannot do that. A lot of doctors are great doctors, but not great people people. <laughs> uh, you know. like people persons, people people. Um, <laughs> You know, first you have to you have to recognize that. Do you have the personality to do it? And and if you do, can you make a connection with someone that's not medical? As just just the way you talk to people, your bedside manner, the way you connect to people. If you can't make a connection with someone, they're not going to pay you a thousand bucks or five thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand, whatever it may be. It's not going to happen because they're not going to see the value. But if your patients love talking to you and, and appreciate your recommendations and advice, then you can absolutely do concierge medicine. And you can translate that into a very profitable business model. And it's okay to make money. Doctors have this <laughs> guilt trip about making money and I don't understand it. Like, yeah. We have to make a living. You paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for the knowledge in your head, or you will for medical students. Um, <laughs> and it's okay to charge for that. I, I get so burnt up when, when, when people, you know, I mean, I'll be at a restaurant and somebody would yeah. be like, I don't know why. I don't know how they even know I'm a doctor. They're like, Hey, can you look at this? I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> That's a violation of our medical legal policies. And you're not my patient because people yeah. always want something for free. Like, would you ever go to a lawyer, Dr. Raj and say, Hey, can you review this contract for free? I, I feel kind of like I'm mooching a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or would you yeah. call a plumber to your house and say, Hey, look, can you fix this faucet for free? No, <laughs> no, no, no. So why no. does everyone think that medicine should be free? It, 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 it's not. Yeah. Um, and, and, and my young medical students and young residents do not feel bad about charging for your services. You know, we, we spend so much time in school more than pretty much any profession yeah. in the modern world and family medicine, the average salary is like 200 grand. Yeah. I mean, 
there's so many professions that aren't as hard as far as training that makes so much more than $200,000. Don't feel bad about charging um, patients. Don't feel bad about being well compensated for the work that you put in. Yeah. Um, and you know, and you're worth it. Get, you are back worth on it. this. Many, many med students, when they start their lives, I mean, they're already in a negative zone in, in the bank. You know, yeah. a loan is not like a $10,000 loan for most medical students. I mean, I, I believe it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know I had a big loan when I finished. Yeah. And when you look at the, when you look at the deferred compensation and the, the debt service, it actually makes more sense to be a dentist. Um, Probably. No, from a financial Probably. perspective, it, 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 it does. Yeah. Uh, but that's not why we did this. And again, no. I'm not saying go into medicine to make money because that's yep. not why you go into medicine, but it's okay to make money if you went into medicine. That's what I'm telling you. No, um, I hear you. So I, I didn't do this to, to make a bunch of money. Uh, I run my other businesses to make a bunch of money. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I, I see patients because I, I enjoy it uh, and I really love it. And I charge a bunch of money now just because of the time commitment. And at the end of the yeah. day, I didn't start out charging as much as I charge. I started out charging hundred bucks a month, which is very reasonable. And we still have that offering. But now at this point in my career, it doesn't make sense from a time perspective because I'd rather spend time with my family. Yep. Or I don't get to play golf very often, but you know, playing golf or <laughs> you know, reading or on Dr. Rogers' podcast. And I'm just not <laughs> I'm just not able to do that if I'm charging, you know, 100 bucks a month uh, for unlimited services. So mm-hmm. you have to figure out the pricing model that fits your lifestyle and what you're willing to do with your time. And again, it comes back to time versus money. Yeah. With your time, you pay with your money. So take that home with you guys. Time or money. You know, I got to tell you, and that was a good way. I was going to actually, it's almost, it's over an hour already, James. I was going to talk to you about medicine and strokes and heart attacks, but you know what this sets us up for? Me asking you on the spot. Are you going to come back another time and we get yeah. more dorky medical conversation? Yeah, we'll get into yeah. round two. We'll get into some cardiovascular disease prevention, which is my subspecialty. <laughs> I love heart attack and stroke prevention medicine. Huge passion of mine. We got a great 360 program. Go to thediamond360.com. Shameless plug <laughs> to learn more about that uh, and, and, and what you guys should be craving in medical school is learning about more preventative medicine instead of, I mean, you got to learn how to treat chronic disease as well. But at the end of the day, if you can prevent diabetes, heart attack, stroke, well, then you don't have to treat it. And Dr. Raj will be out of well a job. Said. Uh, <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me try and embarrass you a little bit at the end because I got to make you tear up because you know, I've always liked you, you know, when I saw you on the show and meeting you. But, you know, even after this podcast, you are exactly the same cool dude then that you are now. You didn't change any bit. And I do love your story. And, you know, I just think that... Um, what you've done and literally, you know, lack of a better term, the empire you created, I'm impressed. And you're an awesome person, man. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks, Dr. Raj. That means a and, lot. I appreciate you. Um, do you want to plug anything at the end? Is there a website or anything you want to say? If- <laughs> yeah, you know, it, if, you? if you medical students are really interested in, in um, direct primary care concierge medicine, we do have locations all over the country and we have a Diamond Direct Care Network. You can go to, you can go to diamondhealthinc.com or diamondphysicians.com. You know, follow me on Instagram at the underscore Dr. James. I have a pretty, I think, an interesting life. That, uh, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thank you, Dr. James. This is the Dr. Raj podcast. I'll be seeing you again, I think, in maybe another two weeks. Thanks, Dr. James. Thanks, Dr. Raj. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. 
Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis. Mm-hmm.